Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in the study we're doing um, through the New Testament right now, really, it's a study through the whole Bible, but uh, we started with the New Testament. And we're working through it a chapter at a time, and this is uh, part number 197, according to my notes. So that's a lot of Wednesday nights, and, uh, and that's good. So we're, we're, we're making progress. We're going to finish up 2 Timothy today. We're in chapter 4. And then next week we'll be in uh, the letter to Titus. And then um, I have, I'm not sure which ones we'll do next. We'll probably do Hebrews. And then, uh, and then we'll pick up uh, James and Peter and John 1, 2, and 3, and re then Revelation. So, um, and then we'll move on to the Old Testament. But we still got more than a year. So. Uh, and I say all that with the Deo Valente caveat, God willing, right? So that's the plan, but everything's subject to change. Um, so we uh, are looking at 2 Timothy. Right now, we, we got here by work, working through the Gospels, the book of Acts, into the, you know, the missionary journeys. We looked at it, Paul, and now we're looking at Paul's letters to the church. I say this every time we get started, but um, holding things in context makes them easier for us to, uh, to get a better understanding of what's going on, how it all ties together, um, and uh, hopefully keeps us uh, um, safe from uh, trying to make the Bible say something it's not saying uh, and make us aware of, of, of teachings that are kind of stretching the truth from where they should be so that we have a good understanding of, of how it flows together and what the early church looked like and how that impacts us today. And even though Paul was writing to specific situations under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, um, the, the things that he wrote still apply to us today. Many of the situations are quite the same. And so it's, uh, it's useful, as it always is, for uh, how we're supposed to live and what that looks like, the Bible is. And so we're studying it and working our way through it together. And we're, like I said, we're in 2 Timothy now, the fourth uh, chapter. And as we kind of close out this letter to Timothy, and I've, I've told you this was the last thing that we know that Paul wrote, um, this letter. Um, we're going to look at Titus. He wrote that too. But this was it. This was the last one that he wrote uh, in the book and, and that, that made it into the, into the canon. And so um, at this point in his life, um, Paul feels like he's at the very end of his, of his time, that... Um, there's a lot of persecution on the church right now because of uh, the emperor uh, in Rome, who's kind of a, insane. And um, he burned down Rome, and then he blamed the Christians for it. And so they've been ostracized, and they're being um, tortured and murdered uh, in uh, every way possible. Uh, Paul's in prison at this time, not a nice, friendly house arrest situation. He's in a, in a dungy old prison, and um, he's writing from there. Um, and he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is his, uh, you know, um, protege, if you would. He's, you know, he's, um, he's sown a lot into the life of Timothy. And, and as he's getting ready to go on, he's just encouraging Timothy to keep it up and to kind of follow along in his footsteps and, and what he's been doing. And um, in, in this letter, the, he's, he charges Timothy again to, to preach the word, to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And the reason that we um, are here and we believe in Christ today is because people like Timothy picked up the message that was uh, started with the apostles and Paul, Jesus himself, and they carried it forward. And um, now we're charged with that responsibility as well, of sharing the good news to the world around us today. Uh, interesting statistic. I didn't know if you, if you were this, but did you know that half the people who have ever lived are alive today? 
and most of them don't know Christ. Just the way the population has exploded all over the world. We got about half of what's ever been is alive at this point in time, and most of them don't know Christ. Isn't that, does that, that should over, that, that, that thought amazes me. So, you know, history's been plugging along, but, but not with the population that we have now. And uh, we're tasked with a big, big job, which is to be ambassadors for Christ, to let people know that there's a God who loves them and that he's made a way for them to have relationship with him forever. And so um, we're uh, tasked, just like Timothy was, to be those who carry on this message, this good news, and, and to let others know that uh, there's a way for them to have life now and forever. And, you know, we're in the last days. Jesus is coming back. Um, we, we don't know when. We're to live like he's coming back today, or he's not coming back for a while. We live in that tension. But until he comes back, we redeem the time. That's what we're called to do, and we do that by living this life out the best that we can, doing the next right thing, and then um, making the most of opportunities to tell people about the love of God that we understand. So that kind of sets up 2 Timothy chapter 4. There's 22 verses I'll be reading to you. I'm reading out of the NIV. Um, that's what's on your notes. You can follow along in whatever translation you prefer, beginning in verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Damas has loved this world and has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Titius to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Trios and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him, because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila with the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, as do Prudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. The Lord be with you, your spirit, and grace be with you. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, um, uh, fascinating, I think, uh, uh, letter that Paul writes um, here and uh, 
as we look at the first the couple of verses anyway of Second Timothy 4, um, he, it talks about um, preaching the Word of God, the Bible, um, which is uh, about effectively sharing the good news, the message that we have of Christ, and, and that's the gospel, um, that, uh, you know, the, the gospel message is, in effect, that we've all sinned, our sin had caused us to be, caused us separation from God, um, we couldn't fix it by being good enough, we would never be good enough, no matter how hard we tried, because we've sinned, and that's, that's the part of that separation, but God came, um, Jesus, fully God, fully man, came, lived the perfect sinless life that we weren't able to live, um, even though we had to deal with all the stuff that we deal with. And then he willingly went to the cross um, at the time of his choosing, and he um, gave his life for us there. He paid um, the price of our sin, and then he defeated death and rose again so that in him we can have life. We can be connected back to God again because now when God sees us, he sees us in Christ and the perfection of his son, so he doesn't see all that mess any longer. And and that's the gospel. That's, you know, the 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 short version obviously but that's the message that's what we're here to tell people that, that God is in Christ no longer counting their sin against them and there's a way to be redeemed um, and, and saved forever and so um, the, the, the sharing of that message is the most important responsibility that we have as a church that's what we're that's you know if you if you push everything else away that's what we're here for that's what it's all about we've been tasked with that we have other things that we do obviously but, um, but uh, the other things that we do are ultimately to fulfill that part of the mission. That's we do everything else so that we can do that. Um, if, we, if we forget that, then we just become a social organization and we're far more than that. We're the, we're the living body of Jesus Christ um, tasked with his mission in ministry. And that's why we're here. Everything else that we do is to complement that. And so that, that has to be our, our primary focus is telling people about Jesus good news and they can have life in him and what it means and, and how to know him and what repentance is and all the stuff that goes with it um, so that people can have life that's why we're here um, and we we do that in lots of ways we need to know what the book says so we can share it with with some measure of, of, of confidence um, but at the same time we primarily live this thing out and and, uh, and people people can see that we're we're attempting to live it out and then when we get opportunities to share um, life then we can tell them about Jesus. And, and, uh, and so, you know, and, and um, we tell them our stories uh, about how, how, what God has been doing in us and how we came to know Jesus. And, and then we, we, you know, understand the scripture by spending time in it so we can, we can attempt to answer questions that come up because there's lots of them. There'll be, always will be, lots of questions. And it says to be ready in season and out of season to make the most of every opportunity that God gives us in fulfilling this responsibility. And I think it's fascinating too, when you engage in conversations on those lines, um, that, um, that the Holy Spirit will often help you in, in, uh, in what to say and how to say it. Um, he's very good about that. So that you don't feel like you're out there all alone. He's there to help with what you need to say and how you need to say it, to the best that you can. No one ever gets this perfectly. And uh, uh, you know, you, you just continue to love people where they're at and try and explain it the best you can. And then you move on in the process but still that's ultimately why we're here is to let people know the gospel the good news about Jesus Christ and why he came it goes on in verses 3 through 5 of 2 Timothy 4 and and he begins to talk about how um, the world now um, is filled with with false teachings 
that, that satisfy um, people's itching ears. That, that it's, it's happened from then and continues to happen to this day, that people reject the truth of the Bible and, and they, they listen for things that, that um, they seem to like better. Um, they don't want the truth of the Bible They want because they, they don't like parts of it and what it, what it calls them to. And so they go, well, that, that can't be um, what it, we're supposed to do. And so um, we've seen it throughout time. We certainly see it now that, that people believe themselves to be more enlightened now than the Bible, wiser than um, the book that um, the Bible's an old-fashioned book for old-fashioned people in old-fashioned times, filled with fairy tales and children's stories. That there is no such thing as absolute truth um, or a standard for that truth. That whatever you need at the moment uh, to get by or get over is certainly acceptable. And, and, um, and, and that's how a lot of people think about it. They just think it's a, it's a mythical book. I get people all the time that really find out, when they find out what they do, they, they kind of look down at me like I must be ignorant to believe the book. Seriously, that's what they think. And, you know, like, almost like it's 2013. Really, you believe that? And I go, I absolutely believe it. Seriously? I go, yeah. All the stories and everything? Yeah, yeah. They'll always go to things like, you know, you think a guy got swallowed by a fish? Yeah, I do. And then they look at me like, how? I just believe it. I just believe that that happened. You think there was a big rainstorm and a flood? Yeah, absolutely. I still have a thought that that one, they're going to find one day, that the ark's laying out there somewhere. So, you know, they keep thinking they found it, but that's going to be a big deal if they ever say, there it is. Um, absolutely. But anyway, I and even if they don't, I don't know. I, I believe the book, so I'm good. Um, I, I believe it. And uh, I believe the stories, and I believe the, the, the things that happened, and that uh, the prophecies are, are being fulfilled all the time, and will be, and that Jesus fulfilled a bunch of them, and that he did come, and that he was who he said he was, and he did what he did, and defeated death and rose again, and my hope and my faith are in him. I have an unswerving Un, you know, wavering hope in him that he's coming back soon and that he makes life different and, and I would say that he's extremely real, that he's evidenced in the, the changed lives that happen wherever he's present and, and that um, if people have eyes to see, they can actually see him at work and that uh, I believe all those things with all my heart so um, 2013 or not there's no more enlightened anything than this and it's still alive today. That's why I love talking about it. And why I love to read it and encourage you to read it and study it. And it's, a, it's, it's amazing. There's nothing like it. Nothing. So, um, Paul encourages Timothy and all of us to, to uh, keep our heads in all situations. That's pretty good advice, isn't it? But you keep your head in all situations. And I always do that. Uh, he's encouraging us to take time to pray before we react. Um, because we often, well, actually, I hate to say wait, we. I, personally, sometimes I, I have a tendency to overreact in situations. Anybody else? Um, it's not, I, I don't, I'm not reacting well. I'm overreacting to those situations. And, and um, we're, you know, we're supposed to look to the book for answers. But, you know, there's one, this one scripture has been on me for quite a while. And I, I, I haven't got it by a long shot. But it's one I, I really am trying every day to, to work out in my life. It's Philippians 4, 5. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And that comes right in those passages about not being anxious for anything and, and by prayer and everything. That, that um, my hope would be over time that, that regardless of situations, that I would, I would have that quality of gentleness and not, you know, the sheer absolute abject panic that sometimes happens when things go funny. Uh, 
you know, or come off all worried or stressed. You know, it's because I, ultimately it's, it's God's hands. So, so that's a good one, I think, to work on. I and mean, to me, that's what it looks like to keep our heads in all situations. That, you know, it's a fallen world. It's broken. Things happen. But God is still God, and God will still be God um, regardless. Then he goes on in verse 6 through 8. And um, he encourages Timothy to keep um, pressing on and pressing in. And, and uh, I, I like Paul here. Paul knows he's pretty much at the end of his race, but he's, he's confident that um, he was finishing well. And he wants Timothy and he wants all of us to do well, to, to walk this thing out well so that we, we finish well. And, and so we're to live our life all in for him because that's where we experience, you know, real and abundant now and forever life. That's, that's where we're going to find it. And Paul had certainly done that. So he, at the end of it, he's right. You know, he said, look, I've finished. I've done it. Um, I've been doing what I was supposed to do, and uh, I'm confident in, in the Lord and what's going to happen next, and I know that I can trust him because he's good. And, and, uh, and so he's, he's, he's writing from that perspective as an encouragement to Timothy, too. Again, remember, in the persecution that's going on, there's, a, there's certainly a, 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 the possibility of wanting to kind of hide and duck. And not get out in the midst of the fray. And Paul's saying, Timothy, just keep going. It's going to be okay. God's got you. And he, he's going to get you. And you're going to do whatever he needs you to do before you get to be him, uh, be with him. Then, um, then in verses 9 through 16, he, you know, he was just talking about finishing well. And then he's, he starts talking about the guys um, who are still with him. Luke is still with him, which is cool. Uh, Luke was a steadfast companion of Paul. You know, Luke, who wrote Luke and Acts, he hung with Paul through the end. Um, uh, Titus and, and another guy, he's sent, Paul is sent away to go do a ministry. But um, he's kind of alone, and, and Demas has deserted him uh, at this point in time. And, and there's, there's two guys that I want to talk about in this verse about finishing well in these, in these scriptures. And, and uh, so Demas is the first one. Um, Demas had traveled with Paul through most of his missionary journeys, and yet here at the end, um, he's deserted Paul, and Paul said, he left me for the things of the world. So he's not finishing well. Colossians 4.14, just to introduce him, um, he, it says, Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Philippians 1.24, It's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. For, um, and then, um, oh, I got the wrong verse in there. In, uh, uh, but he's, he's, he's with him at that letter. Philippians, as you go on, it's at the end of it. And then, um, so we, we see him in there with him. And then in 2 Timothy 4.10, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. So here's a guy who had hung out with Paul through all this stuff, uh, and then here at the end, he's not finishing well. He takes off. He can't handle it, and he, and he leaves. But here's what's cool. Here's another guy, Mark. And this Mark that they're talking about is John Mark. We talked about him because um, John Mark is the Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark. And, and um, in... Uh, in this letter, Paul's going to ask for him to come back. But that wasn't always the case with John Mark. In Acts 13, 13, the first time we see Mark, it says from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. That's John Mark. In Acts 15, 36, we find more about that. Um, it says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia had not continued with them in the works. So he that word deserted and he just said, Demas just deserted me. John Mark in one of the early missionaries' journeys had deserted, left them high and dry. Uh, and it goes on and it says, 
they had such a sharp disagreement, that's Paul and Barnabas, that they parted company. Barnabas took John Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So um, here's, here's this guy, John Mark, who at, at one point in one of the missionary journeys had left. He was taken off. And um, he's actually a cousin of Barnabas. Barnabas is the guy of encouragement, you know. And so some time has passed, and Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to go again because they were always a team that traveled together. And Barnabas said, good, I want to bring John Mark. And Paul said, no, he left us the last time. I'm not taking him back. And uh, the disagreement was such that Paul and Barnabas ended up not going on this missionary journey together. And uh, so, so, but look at what happens at the end in uh, 2 Timothy 4.11. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I just like that. It's a story of redemption. Um, and what that means to me is so it's, it's never too late in our lives, no matter what we've done, to decide that we're going to finish well. We can always make that turn and start to walk for him again. And, and uh, that there's always opportunities to, to do the next right thing. And it's a constant sort of opportunity in our lives. And so I, I love that story about, um, about you know, the restoration that takes place when, uh, when Paul, uh, you know, the way that John Mark finishes is Paul saying, get him here, I need him. I like that. Then in those last few verses, um, again, Paul's very confident in the Lord as he approaches the end of his life. And uh, in these final verses that he's ever going to write, he encourages his faithful friends to carry on the ministry they've been called to. And, and uh, I like the fact that, that Paul, um, throughout his, his life, even though he traveled a lot, wherever he went, he made strong, lasting relationships. And, and he impacted people's lives. And, and we need to make sure that in our own lives, we're living in such a way that we impact the lives of others. Um, that, we, that we leave an impact um, for the kingdom of God. And so, you know, the encouragement to finish well is to love well, to be good friends, to share the good news, and to make the most of every opportunity until the Lord returns. And that's the call that we have. And it's how we're supposed to live this thing out. And so this really good advice from Paul to Timothy and also to us. And uh, with that, we'll wrap up 2 Timothy chapter 4. So um, if you're watching my video or on TV, thank you for spending time with us. We appreciate it. Um, come and visit us here at Big Pine at the church whenever you get a chance. If you need prayer, go to the website at keysvineyard.com and uh, hit the prayer page and we will pray for you. Or there's a phone number there. You can call us and we'll pray for you that way. And we'll, uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you.